1: Alicia
2: Del Valle and the baby Face gimmick in the sky, Roger. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. It's playoff time, and the road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. Bet Online is your number one source for your playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Ben Online today. Stay updated on all the action. Ben Online, where the game starts. Bienvenidos, Angrones. I know you guys are always on our case because we start late. And I think we actually either started on time or we were early today. But as you can see, uh, we got a packed house today. So joining us on the show is first timer is uh Jiho Yu from the Yonhap News. He's going to give us all the information that we need to know about the Soul Series and the Dodgers going over to, to Korea. And I don't need to introduce this guy because I know all you Dodger fans, you know him. So I'm going to leave it up to him to, to talk about what he wants to talk about. But we're very excited joining us. Officially now, a friend of the carne asada, Clint Pacias, he's got a new show. I know you guys have already been listening and watching it. All Dodgers, Clint. como estás bienvenido, my friend.
1: Hey, I am I'm thrilled this is something that is way 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 overdue. Uh, you know, life life gets hard, life gets in the way, Dodger baseball gets in the way, or that's what we focus on. We're all talking a lot about the same things, but I'm happy to be here. I appreciate uh the the uh, the olive branch of the uh, the, uh, the invite to the carne asada because I'm hungry. I, I, absolutely.
2: So uh, let's get into the comments real quick. Michael Negrete, Chris Frosaker, Alfonso, Lost 17s, Dennis Gonzalez. Hey, hey I, I, I love this name. I'd be stroking. Uh, and then the ghost of Al Davis, Mr. Raider, Philip Lopez chiming in. All jiho, right, everybody wants to hear because as the ghost of Al Davis says here, he's sending his alarm for the Korea series. So I want to start off first with this, jiho is everybody in Korea just going nuts? They just can't wait for this series, not only just for the Doyers and the show pods, but there's going to be some exhibition games where Korean teams are going to be playing both the Doyers and the show pods. What can you tell us about what to expect this this whole time in Seoul?
3: Yeah, so there's a lot of excitement building up right now for the uh, Seoul series. The first uh, regular season games of Major League Baseball to be played in Korea, so... And there's, you know, this is a big baseball country. KBO, of course, we've got the professional league here. It's the number one sport in the country. So, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of excitement. And uh, Dodgers obviously have a lot of a Korean connection. I remember 30 years ago, uh, Channel Park became the first Korean to play in MLB. And he was with the Dodgers for a while. And, of course, lately, Hyunjin Ryu uh, had a really good run uh, with the Dodgers. Uh, and also the Padres have a couple of Korean guys. Sung Kim won a gold glove last year. And uh, just earlier this month, they signed Woo uh, Go, who was a closer uh, closer for the uh, for the LG Twins when they won the Korean series title this past season. So, uh, you know, I mean, look at both teams, good Korean connection, good Korean history. Dodgers potentially, I think, uh, not potentially, perhaps the uh, most uh, popular major league team in this country, uh, most recognizable brand as well. So uh, to have them, uh, play the regular season games here, a lot of excitement and of course, as uh, you mentioned, Shohei Otani, uh, you might have heard of him, right? Uh, he uh, signed a big deal uh, He's coming potentially making the regular season debut as a Dodger in Korea. so there's gonna be uh, quite a bit of interest from Japan, uh, which is right next door to us. so um, there's you know it's, it's, it's gonna be a huge deal. and of course before the regular season games, uh, you know these two teams are gonna play some Korean teams. Uh, the Dodgers will play. Haeson Kim's former team, the Kiom Heroes, uh, and the uh, Padres, uh, the Dodgers, also will play the Korean national team uh, that's going to play uh, in a tournament later this year. So, um, yeah, so four games in uh, in preseason before the Dodgers versus the Padres on March 20th and March 21st in Seoul.
2: So, Jiho, you have to confirm this for me. Is there a statue of Chan Ho Park doing a spinning kick on Tim Belcher <laughs> in Korea? And if there is. <laughs> Well, there'll be a tour when we go to the Soul series to pay tribute to the great Chan Ho Park.
3: Was it a spinning kick or a flying kick?
2: Uh, I, but, uh, you
4: guys, <laughs> make Flynn,
1: was it a spinning kick? <laughs> it, you know, it had it had uh, tinges of spin. I don't think uh, Chan Ho was able to get it off fully, though. He was going for the okay. full spin, though.
2: <laughs> All
3: right, G-ho. yeah, I you haven't ha- seen it. <laughs> okay, you haven't seen that it. All right, legendary I seen it, but it's, Yeah, if it's not there, it's a long overdue then. <laughs>
2: So you have to – a lot of our our listeners, our viewers, they want to know how can they get tickets. And so there's these rumors going around that the only way you can get tickets is if you have a Korean zip code. Like, I know the stadiums there are smaller. So I'm I'm understanding that it's maybe 17,000 capacity there. How hard is it going to be to get tickets? And can anybody here in the United States – are they going to be able to realistically get tickets to these series?
3: Yeah, like, I you know, I really hate to break this uh, to the audience, but that's <laughs> going to be virtually impossible to get tickets if you're not in Korea, if you're not a Korean resident, if you don't have a Korean mobile number. So basically, we've got this uh, streaming service called Coupon Play. Uh, they are the official marketing and presenting partner of the series. So this is the official name of the series is Seoul Series presented by Coupon Play. Uh, think of like Apple Apple TV over in the US. And they're the coupon play, they're really expanding expanding into sports. They're they're um you know streaming a lot of uh, international events. They're the official exclusive digital partner for the Korean national soccer team. So all the national team matches are are on Coupon Play. And uh they you know carried some of the Premier League teams, uh summer exhibition tours in Korea, and now they're getting into this baseball team and You have to be a paid member of their premium membership uh, coupon, WOW, W-O-W, to be able to even access the ticketing sites. So, And you need Korean residence, Korean address, and Korean phone number to be able to sign for the membership in the first place. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be really hard, uh, if not impossible, to find tickets if you're outside outside Korea. Uh, Canelo, you want to come in here?
0: yeah uh jihoo thanks for coming on to the show again um you kind of mentioned his name earlier otani obviously everybody mm-hmm. in the united states knows him everybody around the world pretty much knows him but you know there is a history between the korean baseball league and the japanese baseball league especially we saw in the wbc where it was a little bit one-sided um how much uh how highly anticipated are the the fans in korea waiting to see otani come there even though he is a, a japanese baseball player
3: yeah so i would argue i was just joking with one of my uh, japanese baseball writer friends in tokyo that uh <laughs> you know he pointed it out uh you know Shohei is in the center of this uh, promotional poster thing and i told him you know what this guy might be more popular than Hasan kim in korea <laughs> and you know Hasan kim even when he played in the kbo um, he wasn't even the most popular guy on his own team. And there would have been uh, chung Hu Lee, who signed with the Giants uh, recently. Um, so, uh, you know, ah Kim was not a uh, you know, household name, uh, if you will, in, in the KBO. I mean, he was a good player. He was an all-star. but He was not an MVP candidate. He was not a household name. Whereas Shohei Ohtani, any casual baseball fan would know this guy. And the fact that he plays for the Dodgers... And the fact that they're coming to Korea to play and he might be making his regular season debut as a Dodger. That's a big deal. And I don't I'm not surprised that they put him in the center of this uh the poster. And you know, before he signed with the Dodgers, the promotional thing would feature, you know, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts on the Dodger side, and it would have been one uh, Soto and Manny Machado and Hassan Kim on the Padres side. Of course, Soto got traded, and uh I think Freeman got Taken out <laughs> in favor of Otani after Otani signed, so it was Mookie and uh, and Otani on the Dodgers side, um, and uh, with, I think it was uh, Fernando Tatis and and, and for the Padres. So, uh, but yeah, Otani has been, uh, I guess, uh, you know, he's going to draw a lot of interest to say the least. And um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm expecting a lot of the Japanese fans will somehow try to get tickets uh, to this game. Uh, you know, being in the same time zone as Korea and not being being not that far from Seoul to to travel for them.
0: Yeah. And then one more thing before uh, I let somebody else ask you a question. Um, kind of just pops in my head, and it's something I've seen a lot um, on social media recently. And you mentioned that the Dodgers are pretty much the most popular team out in Korea. And we're starting to see that trend in Japan as well. How much popular have the Dodgers gotten over teams like, I would say maybe 10, 15 years ago, the team you would think of as a worldwide brand would be the New York Yankees. And it seems like overseas that the, the Dodgers seem to be taking over that. Um, and it's not the first time this met, has been mentioned Teoscar Hernandez brought it up as well, saying um, pretty much internationally, you think of the Dodgers before you think of teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox. Is that kind of how the vibe is right over there in Korea and, and on the
3: eastern you know, part of the world? Oh, no question. And especially with uh, some of the recent success of the Dodgers, right? They've, they haven't missed any postseason since, in, since well, like way back when. So, uh, you know, it kind of coincided with, uh, you know, Hyunjin Ryu signing with the Dodgers in 2013. And then Clayton Kershaw's, like, MVP Cy Young Seasons. We're uh, getting, whenever a prominent Korean player was with the Dodgers, uh, you would get, you know, live games. Every game, 162 on Korean cable. And you're able to watch uh, full game on on demand later on uh if you're not able to kind of sneak in or you know in a game during your workday so uh there's a lot of exposure just simply because you know Dodgers have had a lot of the Korean players before and uh people who didn't know much about Major League Baseball uh got to learn about MLB when Ho first went there and then uh when, when Hyunjin uh signed there and then you know had, had a good run it really kind of took off so yeah I mean It's it's the Dodgers, and then kind of tier below would be the Yankees, maybe the Red Sox, and then everybody else below. So, and then, uh, so that's how kind of things shake out over in Korea.
0: All right, cool. Thank you.
2: Hey, Clint, you got anything uh, for Jiho before we, we let him go? We want to be respectful of his time.
1: Yeah, Gio, I was gonna say. You know, I'm assuming you got to have some friends, you got some family out there, you got your own home address. You know, you got a real money making opportunity right here to be selling <laughs> off some tickets to uh, some some local Dodger fans here in L.A. Uh, you know, how do we make that happen on the low? You know, we won't report you, we won't tell anybody this is <laughs> happening. I think this would be an all Dodgers and and bleed low exclusive uh, access to
3: to some tickets. You know, uh, how do we make this happen? Yeah, man. Well, the the <laughs> I'm gonna to have to get those tickets myself in the first place. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I'm not good with all this, uh you know, logging on and sharp. A- A- p- it's gonna it's gonna go instead at eight p.m. sharp in Korean time. So you gotta be you gotta be there online, kind of do the clicking thing, and then I'm not I'm not good at those. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll all be up at three. I mean, even if I were, I wouldn't be telling you guys. So That's, that's, that's very fair. We're going to know. We're going to see,
1: like, uh, you know, you're going to see the little Instagram drop of him just kind of laying on his uh, digital tickets or however that goes. Throw it in our face, you know, at least. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Look, Jiho, we we really enjoyed having you on. We hope this is the the first of many visits that you make to our show. As you can see, we are now international. We uh we we're the melting pot, I think of sure. all the 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 Dodger Universe uh, podcasts. Uh before I let you go, there are some comments here on the chat that uh, we want to throw out to you. Um, I got to call out Chris Frosaker because I love this, uh, this comment that he made in terms of Chan Ho Park. And that is, I think Chan Ho Park tried sweet chin music to Tim Belcher. That's right. Shawn Michaels (laughs) ripped off Chan Ho Park, I think. We're going to have to go back to that. Uh, There is a question here from Alfonso: Does South Korea have a preference on a major league baseball team? I think you hinted at it. Has it become officially now the Dodgers and before the Dodgers, what was South Korea's MLB team of choice?
3: No, it was, it's been the Dodgers for as long as I can remember. And, uh, I don't know how big of a deal. MLB was before channel park signed there. So it would have been really a sort of a small cult following of baseball uh, before channel signed there. And then when he moved over, uh, we started getting games live on Korean cable. That's when it really took off. And that's when the Dodger brand really started growing. So I don't know what it had been before Dodgers, but for for a good chunk of the last 30 years, I think it's been the Dodgers.
2: And who cares before the Dodgers, right, Jiho? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I, all right, so we're going to let Jiho go. He's going to go to the YouTube now to see if we talk shit on him. But we uh, we really appreciate you having – and like I said, you have an open invitation. You break any news, anything you want to tell us. If you find a way to to give tickets, maybe uh, feel free to come on, Jiho. <laughs>
3: Thank you very yeah, much Clint, for, Clint, Clint is going to be the first one to know if I get, if I get tickets. <laughs> all <laughs> right, we'll, we'll defer to Clint. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Gio. Thanks. Uh,
2: so I want to uh, we have Clint on the show here, guy, and I can see all the love that Clint's getting uh, on the live Appreciate before that. we start talking about Dodgers stuff. Clint, I do want to talk about your show, uh, all Dodgers. And I, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but I mean, everybody here knows where you came from. But going on your own, Clint. How does that feel? Were you nervous or was this a move that was long overdue and you were looking forward to going on your own?
1: You know, that I mean, that's a yes and yes and yes. Definitely <laughs> nervous. The first day uh, firing off live, it did not hurt that Shohei Otani signed with the Dodgers, <laughs> not the Toronto Blue Jays. That was a massive boost for the brand. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was definitely, uh, you know, a lot, of, um, a lot of nerves, a lot of hand wringing, a lot of uh, just... Trying to set up every little dumbass thing behind me as perfect as you can, anything to buy yourself more time before actually hitting that button and and seeing how it goes. but you know the outpouring of support from people was incredible. you know you guys as well um you know, I, I it's obviously I gave up on social media for a while, just <laughs> being so knee deep into what I was doing before um and you know to see the next crop of people you know i i love what cody does online as well canelo as you guys call him of course here on the <laughs> thank you uh, but it, it's it been it's been phenomenal and i'm i'm really you know i say to start each of my shows i'm thrilled to be doing it on my own and i really am and it was to a degree something that just kind of it ran its course you know i love my guys there love my guys there i love doug uh you know shout out dn they just hit 80k today and I'm I'm proud to say I'm I'm a significant part of, of that along the way and you know all the success to them going forward. But um you know, I wanted to do something different and at the same time the same. And it's again, it's been really, really fun. And I'm I'm looking forward to continuing to work with everybody here you know like i I was i think i was talking to uh roger in the dms you know i want to have you guys on the show um i want us to actually get into baseball talk you know actual (laughs) things happening in the game but just the beginning here just the beginning of uh the all dodgers experience i guess we'll call it but it's been fun and i uh, i appreciate again you guys having me on Absolutely. So let's get into it. So there was a trade. Well, not a trade. Excuse me. There was a signing made.
2: uh, And that is uh, the Dodgers signed a left handed pitcher and it wasn't the left handed pitcher that you guys are all anticipating. It was Paxton. So your initial thoughts on that deal,
1: uh, Clint. So I was live as it happened, and I've been live while a couple of these things have happened. Uh, the Yoshinobu Yamamoto signing happened, and you're like, are "People fucking with me? I don't know if we're allowed to cuss on here." People, are, absolutely, people, we are. Yeah. are, are these fuckers fucking with me on the on the chat here. You don't really know what's happening. And sorry to our our partners. I believe we are partners now, are, and uh, <laughs> uh, share that that uh, I don't know lineage, whatever you want to call it, but. As that happened, you're like, "Holy crap, this is happening!" And it's a whole lot less, of course, with somebody like James Paxton. But I love the deal. It, it it hits exactly what this team needed. You needed to have a lefty in that starting rotation. You needed to have one more arm because to go into the the into opening day with Emmett Sheehan as your number five, as as okay as he was, I don't feel super comfortable with that guy being your number five guy for the first few months, and and then you know them letting. The rest sort of shake out. And, of course, you'll see plenty of Gavin Stone and Nick Frasso season is definitely here in in 2024. But uh, to get one more grown up in the house, that's big. (laughs) That is very big. And, you know, I also said it on my live stream. You don't know about the injury history with, uh, well, Walker Bueller, for one. Tyler Glasnow has (laughs) been more glass than now at times. And, you know, Yoshi's just coming over here. From Japan, there's a lot of question marks could be a really, really good starting rotation or things could fall apart like we've seen at times uh, in the last couple of years. Canelo, you wrote a piece and actually you've been harping
2: on Paxton for a while. So I want to make sure that you get your flowers on this. Canelo, your thoughts on Paxton.
0: Yeah, you know, when we were doing the trade deadline episode last year, I threw around Paxton's name. You know, I wrote around I wrote a piece saying, you know, what are some starting pitching options that the Dodgers should get. And Paxton was one of the names that was, they were heavily rumored with. Um, He had a really good first half of the season. I guess you could say they kind of dodged the boy because he did kind of like falter in the second half. Uh, He ended the season uh, missing pretty much all of September with knee inflammation. I think the good thing about that in front of the carne Asada, you know, Rob Bradford, you know, he said all the injuries that he had throughout last season was nothing like to do with his arm or his elbow, which that was the big thing that kept him out all of 2022. This is a guy that still threw 95, topped out at 98 miles per hour, and is a left-handed pitcher. Um, obviously, Clinton hit it on the nose. You know, this guy's biggest issue is just staying on the field. You know, in the past three seasons, he's only barely got over 100 inning pitched, and almost all those innings were from last season where he had 93 innings. Um, but if you can get a lefty in the rotation that slots in as your four, or your five, I am also on board with what Clinton's preaching here. I love Emmett Sheehan. He does have a lot of, like, we've talked about it. His upside for his future is astronomical. But one of the things is is that they are going to track his innings. They are going to track Tyler Glasnow's innings. They are going to track Walker Bueller's innings. He's going to be, uh, they've already pretty much confirmed that he's not starting the season on time. He will be delayed. Um, But specifically about Emmett Sheehan, you know, last year he pitched a total of 123.1, innings through the minors and majors that's three times more than he's ever pitched in his entire professional career that's something the Dodgers are definitely looking at right now um, and if you look at the rotation on paper you know it's it's elite I've argued that are it's arguably the best rotation on paper in baseball um, but there's a lot of risk with that and there's a lot of health risks and the Dodgers they don't care about what the rotation is looking like in April like May and maybe even June. They care about this rotation in October and if they can get all of these guys healthy and then possibly Kershaw coming back healthy in August if he does pitch this year, that's what they want right now. And Paxton, if he can stay healthy, he is definitely a guy that can give them, you know, look at 2019, he was an innings eater for I believe he was on the Yankees or the Mariners that year. Um he was that guy and the Dodgers really just need him to be that guy. If you can get that out of your fifth spot in the rotation golden, and it's a one year deal there. I, like, like I said, if it's a one year deal, it doesn't matter if it goes, it blows up in their face. You know, it was just a one year commitment. We like to harp, you know, on the Noah Syndergaard deal last year, but we weren't committed to it. And he ended up getting shipped to Cleveland, which is probably the worst thing to happen to anybody. <laughs> so um, I, I'm excited for the signing. And like I said, in the article, I posted, I don't think they're done. It, I really think um, I'm going on David Vassay's route. I think they probably got at least one or two more moves left in them in terms of pitching. So, um, And it's going to start ramping up in these next couple of weeks, hopefully.
2: Canelo, I want to follow up with you. You said one or two moves. The ghost of Al Davis, Mr. Raider, Philip Lopez coming in here. Uh, since Packton signed and that one spot is now occupied, where does that put Kershaw coming back and signing back with the Dodgers for 2024? Those one or two moves that you're talking about is does that involve Kershaw? Because I know you've been on record as saying you don't think that signing's coming until they can move him to the 60 day.
0: Yeah, I don't think I think a majority of the signings don't come until that 60 day IL opens up. Dodgers are kind of in a tough spot right now with their 40 band, where it seems like every time they trade or sign for somebody, they got to do, you know, they got to juggle their way out of the situation that they're in um that's going to be the case here you know once signing signings made official which should be in the next couple of days um that the 40 man will be set right at 40 um we talked about kershaw a couple episodes ago um saying once that 60 day il period opens up that's more than likely when he will resign with the dodgers um there's going to be a couple other guys that are getting moved to the 60 day il as well you know dustin mays definitely one tony gonsolin's another those two guys gonsolin's more than likely not coming back at all next year. And Dustin may, you know, we saw them try to get Bueller back and he didn't make it his debut at all. That's probably the situation may's in right now as well. So that frees up two spots right there. Um, And then I saw a couple of people saying Andy Paz, you know, he could be a potential guy to put on the 60 day IL. Um, He is coming off a shoulder surgery. Um, They could just take it their time with him, let him rehab. Um, But he could just start the season on time. It's entirely up to them. Um, It's, really just where they think their 40-man roster is at right now. So say all three of those guys go on the um, 60-day IL, that's three more spots that have now just been cleared. They're definitely going to fill them up before at least opening day starts. Um, And there's going to be a lot of outlier free agents that don't get signed right away. You know, They may take a flyer on some guys. Um, And then there's some guys that are on minor league deals like Daniel Hudson, who in his contract, if he doesn't make the opening day roster, he can just opt out of it. So if everything goes well, he could be that guy, and they add him to the 40-man. So um, there's going to be a lot of stuff to watch these next couple of weeks with free agency, but um, I think those two moves, Kershaw will be like that third guy that's like waiting on the outside corner. I think they're going to get two guys that are going to impact the team immediately. Doesn't mean those two guys are going to be on the team come October or being any, anywhere impactful at all, but they would just be strictly depth pieces.
2: Clint, uh, both Canelo and I are on record as thinking wh- that Kershaw's not coming back this year. Uh, everybody's super positive that he's going to recover. And I mean, this is an injury that Woodruff, they've already said it's the same injury and in that Woodruff is going to be gone for the whole season. Are, are we the Debbie Downers? Are you more optimistic on Kershaw coming back? Clint, where do you stand on Clayton Kershaw?
1: In terms of him being able to to pick up a ball and pitch again, I I feel pretty confident. Uh, anytime you're undergoing the knife with Dr. Neil Elatrash, you you should feel pretty confident about it. Uh, you know, I, I I felt also positive after his conversation with Vassay about a month or so ago. You know, I think right now is that should we should be nearing that first time he's actually. Oh, I got one here. First time picking up that baseball, and that's when he's really gonna know. Um, Kind of where where his body is feeling. We saw him do this uh, a couple of years ago when the elbow was barking on him or the forearm was barking on him in 2021, and he didn't really know if he was going to come back, if he was going to be able to pitch. And and you know, thankfully, the uh, the lockout kind of allowed uh, him that time. So when it comes to him actually pitching next year, I I think he feels really good. I don't think the shoulder was as bad as it could have been. However, one of the things I've been kind of harping on is I do wonder if he wants to come back to la where he's he's not first fiddle anymore he's not first chair anymore which he shouldn't be he's he's elderly like myself he's been through a number of things um in his career we'll say and i i just i don't know that he really we he doesn't have a clear path outside of his legacy he doesn't have a clear path to guaranteed uh, you know, having a starting position in the postseason, and I don't know that that's something he's overly enthralled with. So I would say if there's anything that keeps Clayton Kershaw from not coming back to the Dodgers in 2024, and I fully agree with with Cody here in saying that um, the the uh, the injured list is what's holding everything up. I've been I've been barking that they have a, a gentleman's agreement when all this is cleared up, you're coming home. Uh, that said, completely contradict that there's this, there's a fair chance. He'll be like, you know, and in Texas they really need starting pitching. I want to be home. I spent the last couple of months at home. So all of that, I guess to say I'm real 50 50 on it. I, I feel confident about him pitching and I would say it's, it's more likely than not with the Dodgers. Clint, do you get shit for that? Uh, Because that's a subject
2: that's come up a few times yeah, a lot on our of shit show. Over the
1: years for sure
2: <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's come up on the show a couple of times and that is how real is this whole you know kershaw's coming back and he's not the man anymore i mean there's i mean look it is a new regime has a page has been turned and i wonder how you, does he take that into account and been like look this was my team for so many years and now I'm coming back and, and it's not my team. Is that just a narrative that's being created? Or do you think there's any truth to that, that he's going to use that to make a decision?
1: I mean, I can't if I'm putting myself in his shoes and, you know, I'm absolutely not a future Hall of Fame Major League Baseball player. If I'm putting myself uh, self in his shoes, I couldn't help myself from at least thinking about that a little bit. You know, he's never somebody who's like the spotlight. He doesn't care about his numbers. He's he knows he's the man. He just wants to go out there, pick up the ball every fifth day and help his team. But there's the human condition and to kind of what has he always told, uh, told me, he told media. He's told fans. He's told all of us, you know, I don't want to keep pitching and feeling like I'm hanging on. I want to go somewhere and win. Well, Dodgers have it when it comes to going somewhere and winning. But he wants to not just feel like he's there going along for the ride. And in LA, again, you kind of feel like maybe it's it's sort of going along for the ride. It's it's still Clayton Kershaw. You know, that we had the argument a couple of years ago with Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller. Oh, Bueller's the new the the future ace. He's, he should be the face, you know face of the of the uh, the rotation and and of the organization. And Walker said, "Look, this is this is Clayton's team." Until he decides to hang up the spikes, and I think this team will still feel that. But will Clayton feel that in his heart of hearts? Nobody's going to know. He very much keeps that kind of stuff guarded. But again, just me personal, like the human touch of it, I could not help but think about it at least a little bit. uh This is a
2: perfect segue to to talk about the Hall of Fame. But Canelo, I, I want to go to you. Uh, we had this conversation that if when Kershaw gets in, if he doesn't get a hundred percent, it's going to be because people are going to argue. Oh well, he wasn't good in the postseason. Postseason? Oh, is he? If he comes back to the Dodgers, will people use the argument that's often used in the NBA a lot? Well, well, look he he came to a he came back to a super team to have to win another World Series. Like, is that
0: a, a real narrative? Does he think? I about mean. That? I mean, I don't think he thinks about it, but to put it in perspective, someone, because Billy Wagner didn't make the Hall of Fame, someone put out a tweet where it was like lowest ERA in the live ball era, and it was a bunch of relief pitchers, and then Clayton Kershaw was like smack dab like second or third on the list. Uh, for a guy that has as many innings pitch as he does to have an ERA, I think it was like 2.48 career, that just solidifies his Hall of Fame case right there. Um, it should be unanimous. You know, we've talked about it all the time. But somebody is going to hold probably something against them, something in the postseason, something along those lines. If they if he does come back and the Dodgers do win the World Series, I mean, I guess other fans are going to come up with another excuse. You know, 2020 was the the Mickey Mouse year, as so many other fans like to say. Uh, this year it'll just be, all right, well, they're the Golden State Warriors of baseball. This this doesn't count. You know, you know, Kershaw pulled a KD. Otani pulled a KD. That's something I've seen a lot recently on social media. Otani pulling a KD. I mean... I don't think the stars are aligned on that one, but um, yeah, I don't think Kershaw is going to care about any of that. And then to go along with it, you know, I think he cares a a good amount about probably his legacy. Um, And I think there is something to it for him to finish his entire career with the Dodgers. Um, A lot of people that have been close to Kershaw, but can't speak like through his mind. They have also suggested that, you know, him finishing out his career fully through with the Dodgers means a lot more than him ending his career saying in Texas, where does he really want to go out in another team's uniform? And, you know, the Rangers, you know, I don't really think that's a perfect fit right now. Anyway, they, they're struggling to get Jordan Montgomery back. They also have like two pitchers that, you know, Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom, those guys are probably in limbo in terms of when they're going to make their debut next season. I don't think the Rangers are, financially fit or roster wise ready to take on another guy who is at best making his debut in mid to late August um, because you know th- that division is still very competitive you know the Mariners may be selling off a lot of their assets the Angels from for God knows what reason they are still trying to remain competitive um, and then you know even like the Astros you know they just signed Josh Hader unfortunately I was preaching the Hader train here on on this show um, but they they're bottom of their bullpen and they're probably going to go all in this year because they have a lot of free agents coming up in the next year or two. Um, so it, it's an extremely competitive division. So even though the Rangers just won the World Series, it is extremely hard to win back to back titles in any sport. But baseball is probably the hardest. And they are not even guaranteed to make the postseason next year, in my mind. And that's saying something about this, their division. So I, I do think Kershaw comes back, but um, just because it, it's good for the storyline, it's good for the Hall of Fame resume, you know.
2: Uh, I, I want to talk about the Hall of Fame. I, I want to get Clint's uh, opinion on this. So three people got into the Hall of Fame. I thought it was going to be four. I thought it was going to be four, but three people got in. Former Dodger, Adrian Beltre, uh, Joe Maurer, and um, uh, Hel- Helton got in. So um, I want to start off with Beltray first because, Clint, I, I know you have some thoughts here on seeing he's going to go in as a Texas Ranger. But your overall thoughts on on Adrian Beltre?
1: Uh, to me, in, in my era, I mean, obviously I'm older. I got into baseball a little bit later. But for me, that is the guy that got away. I'm sure the next generation is going to look at Corey Seager. Uh, you know, go 10 years back, it's going to be Pedro Martinez. But knowing that, that Beltre was just coming into his own. This was a kid who who you know he he battled the injury bug. Great piece by I think it was Mike Giovanna on LA Times before they gutted everything this past week um, about the the whole you know Adrian Beltre experience and and you know coming up as a nineteen year old the whole um, the whole issue with hey, what is his age and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that this was a dude that got away because of bad ownership, bad decisions. He was there. He wanted to come back, but you know. Paul DePodesta did not have he had his hands tied behind his back by McCourt and all over the place. I have a lot of different thoughts on it, but it just I'm happy that this dude got in. There's there were few better for the game of baseball. One of the better people to watch a great ambassador to the game was Adrian Beltray, and he deserved it. And I'm happy he's the first ballot Hall of Famer should have been 100 percent. But we we don't see those ever for some reason. Uh, but, yeah, you really do wish it would be in uh, it, with a Dodger cap on that plaque. But, sadly, it did not happen. And I agree. I'll, I'll just throw it out there and I'll throw back to you guys. I agree that, yeah, you know, the first couple of years of his career weren't that pretty by the stats. But, again, he was just coming into his own. And if it wasn't for a juiced up, Barry Bonds would have been the National League MVP in 2004.
2: Uh, before we, I want to interrupt this because uh, we're getting a, uh, an update here. Apparently there was an earthquake and I don't know if there was an earthquake because we were going to talk about the hall of fame and people were anticipating my shit takes on the hall of Fame. God knew God (laughs) knew. Um, but yeah, if you guys can let me know where this, er oh, okay. So DJ Jesse is saying it was in San Bernardino, maybe 4.5. I don't know if that was the epicenter. I didn't feel anything.
4: I'm just checking. It might have been another Dodgers signing, so I'm making. I'm checking the Twitter to see on. All right, baby face
1: on. is on it. it hey, let us know it. where you guys are representing the Dodgers earthquake tonight in the chat. <laughs> there we go. Uh,
2: so the the, the Beltrate thing and Canelo. I don't know. You may be too young for this, but <laughs> Clint that le- that breakout season that he had. A lot of people were attributing to that injury that he mm. had. And it was forcing him to change his batting stance. It was forcing him to stay back. If by some you know revisionist history, the Dodgers did re-sign him, do you think he would have? Because after that, he went to the Mariners, and I know a lot of it was that stadium messed yeah. with his numbers and all that stuff. But if he played his whole career with the Dodgers, would you anticipate, Clint, him putting up the Hall of Fame numbers that he ended up doing?
1: I mean, I think with where he was at in his career at that time, you know, again, the injury really helped him stay back, changed his entire approach at the plate. And, and that work he was doing at the time with Tim Wallach, that really set him on that eventual Hall of Fame path. Definitely the Green Monster helped get him back on track. Nobody wanted to play at Safeco at that at that uh, era, I guess we'll say. I mean... We're never going to really know what happens, but I I feel like there are enough there were enough pieces coming together for Belly in his career, the OG Belly to me in his career at that point to keep putting up the numbers somewhere. I mean, it's not like he was bad in Seattle; those were pretty damn good numbers. Yeah, and he wasn't getting paid a whole lot of money at that time. He got paid a lot more uh, his second or third foray through free agency, but there's as much saying that he would have been a hall of famer had he stayed in LA saying the uh, saying the other way, but my heart, I feel he, he definitely would have, um, he would have continued on that path. He would have continued figuring it out as it were. Canelo, if Belltree, if they keep Beltray and he ends up playing his whole career at the Dodgers,
2: there's no Justin Turner. There's are you, are, are are you okay with that?
0: See, this is the part of, you know, in life, you know, everything happens for a reason. So not to be (laughs) philosophical for you guys, but, you know, it sucks that he didn't play his entire career as a Dodger. You know, me, I'm the, obviously the youngest one here. So I grew up, Beltre was a Ranger that like that's So him going into the hall of fame with the Rangers cap on just makes sense to me because ever since I watched baseball, that's where he was playing. You know, I, I didn't watch baseball when he was on the Red Sox, the Mariners, not even the Dodgers. I wasn't even alive yet. Um, But here's the thing. it it, life happens you know he went through his journey i watched a a video on youtube i forget who it was um but they basically were saying you know he was one of these hall of famers that you know he had okay like early years but then it was like 30 onward was when he just turned it up a notch um and that doesn't really happen often usually a lot of guys have really strong starts and then they kind of plateau once they hit their 30s and then it's a it's a steep decline but because of the numbers they put up in their first like six, eight years in the show, they were just valid enough to get them into the hall of fame. So um, it's cool to see Beltre the way he, you know, when he was on the Rangers, you know, he made that in my opinion, you know, that those teams relevant, you know, back-to-back world series with them. Um, It sucks that he ended his career when they were in the midst of their like endless rebuild. Um, And then they ended up winning the world series, like a handful of years later after he was gone. So um, but yeah, like I said, I'll remember him as a Ranger, you guys are a little bit different cause you guys watched and play on the Dodgers. Um, but you know, I like Justin Turner too. You know, I think he was a good piece of this team. If he stays on the Dodgers throughout the entire year, you know, we're talking about alternate timelines here, like different stuff's happening. So, um, I'm not trying to get no Marvel MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe over here. So, uh, I'll just leave it at that.
2: Uh, I want to go to the chat real quick because, uh, if you make a wrestling reference, you know your comment is gonna get read so uh Pablo just said in regards to the earthquake um it's the natural the natural disasters coming for Juan for his pucamania post uh uh now would be a good time uh for those of you the natural disasters was a a tag team with the earthquake and typhoon so pablo that's a that's a great poll there and I'm just gonna be quick we're gonna go back to dodger talk, but I do just want to recognize that it was the 40th anniversary of Hulkamania, which I refer to as Pukamania. And for years, I've had to live with the trauma of that guy burying wrestlers because he refused to do business. He's a showboater. He had lust for Elizabeth. We can't deny it. it. It's obvious. Go back and watch the videos. He was the luster. He wasn't the Hulkster. And I, I, I know that a lot of you feel the same pain that I feel. But for 40 years, we've had to deal with this guy. Lie to us when he said, say your prayers, you know, take your vitamins, vitamins. You mean steroids, sir? You know, the, it, the, the guy had to cut his shirt so he could rip it. Go back and watch the videos. There's a little cut at the top of his shirt here so he could rip it. Supposedly, this guy with 24 inch pythons needed to rip his shirt in order to 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 rip? No 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 no. Look, I I just I feel bad for those, but you guys are all in my thoughts. And um, uh oh, I, I, it, it's gonna. Hey, Cassell, if you're friends with Hulk Hogan and and I'm, please let it get back to him. We'd love to have Hogan come on the show and have this conversation with him. Louis, you are you are preaching, my friend. You are preaching. with Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat. It was the greatest match of all time. Absolutely. WrestleMania three, just an option. Fire take. That's right. So I know there's people out there that agree with me. They're just afraid. They're afraid because let me tell you, he showed his true colors when he turned on sting and Lex Luger and the rest of WCW. And he, he went to the, to the black. That's who Hogan was. There's no coincidence that the guy picked the colors yellow and red because he was yellow and all the Hammeneggers and all the humanoids out there. They will agree with you. Chris Frosaker over here. Hogan is a bum. I just want to say, I know this was a tough time for a lot of us. Forty years of having to, to listen to this. We're going to go back to Dodger talk, but again, anytime you throw in a wrestling
1: comment, your 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 comment is going to be read.
2: Clint, by any chance, are you a fan of the male soap
1: opera? I, I never really caught my fancy, but I feel and I don't I don't know if this will translate to you guys, but feel like you needed an explosion for that i don't know if it made it through it just it felt right i appreciate that sir uh uh,
2: let's go back to this hall of fame talk because there were two other people that got into the hall of fame for me adrian Beltre was the no doubter i i knew he was going to go in there i saw someone in the chat say that he was uh that he was the only person that should have gotten in. Now, I know that people here disagree with my take. I want Did to get comment. that one? Did you comment <laughs> that? <laughs> I, all I'm saying is this. And that is, for me, the Hall of Fame should be reserved for no doubters. First ballot. You know, if you get in on the first ballot, it's either he's a Hall of Famer or it's not. That that's the way I look at it. So I'm going to before I throw to you, Clint, I just want to throw this out there to support my argument as to why I feel this way, including Maurer and Beltray, who were first ballot Hall of Famers who got in. There have been 60 players that have gotten into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. There is a total of 273 players in the Hall of Fame. I to me, this is what a, the original intention of the Hall of Fame was, in my opinion, was for the elite. And I know babyface, you were watching MLB Network when they were making the comment, and that and that guy Costas was stealing my whole shtick, saying word for word the stuff that I've been saying that you know, there's nothing wrong with the Hall of Fame. And and I feel with getting, you know, good players not making the Hall of Fame. And I feel bad because now people are going to take it as I'm crapping on Joe Maurer. I'm crapping on Helton. Look, those guys got into the hall of fame. That's a great honor. I'm not going to do that. My big problem is with the voting process. I have issues with the voting process and that is because Ten times uh, you've get it's like through the years they've given more opportunities to put more people into the Hall of Fame. You have the Veterans Committee, you have this committee, the the Modern Era Committee. I feel bad for guys like Billy Wagner. The guy missed it by five votes. Now everybody's saying he's going to get in next year. Well, if he's a Hall of Famer this year, why does he have to wait until next year? And the problem is this: because you've allowed other people in the Hall of Fame, if you look at Billy Wagner and let's say you compare him to Goose Gossage or you compare him to Bruce Suter, he has more saves than those guys and he has better ERAs than those guys. Now, the issue it had, people will argue back and say, well, those guys pitch more innings than Billy Wagner. And that's my problem is, okay if we're going to sit here, we're going to debate everything, then they shouldn't be in. It should be just reserved for people with no doubt. So, Clint, I I want to hear your thoughts on the hall of fame and this whole voting process.
1: I mean, you say a lot there that's hard to disagree with. I'm, I'm okay with the 10 years. It was 15 for a while. I'm less okay with like the golden era committee and all of this kind of stuff. Although I, I agree that there were probably some dudes that were missed along the way, but there are only dudes that are missed along the way because of the stupid way you have to vote where you only get your 10 votes and okay, well this year I can't vote. Hopefully other people vote enough to keep Chase Utley on the ballot so we could consider him next year or whatever. Uh, if you're a hall of famer, you should be a hall of famer. They shouldn't need to either you know, tease you and, and make you feel bad because you weren't kind to the media or you got a DUI into Todd Elton's case, but we don't need to get into that. Um, you should just be a Hall of Famer, and, and it should be – if it's not the first year, maybe within the first three years, and that's about it. But, yeah, kind of stringing it along. And when did Elton get in? This was his, his ninth uh, – seventh ballot, I think it was. Maybe a little long. Maybe a little bit uh, – mm-hmm he should have already been a hall of famer and yeah, every team, every player has their own story. He's a hall of famer based on what he did for the city of Colorado and that organization. You can be a hall of famer based on that, but uh, to, to make it like st- string it out. And for, for very just dumb reasons, reasons that are there because they decided, Oh yeah, everybody just gets 10 votes and that's about it. Yeah, I'm less, I'm less for it.
2: Canelo. I know you worship at the altar of Joe Maurer. Uh I know you were very happy about Joe Maurer getting in Uh baby facing. You can ch- chime in too, because you weren't sold on Todd Helton getting in oh, uh, uh, uh Canelo. I want to hear your, your thoughts on who did get in and the Billy Wagner missing by five votes.
0: Yeah. Uh, a lot to tackle in that little, like a lot of stuff going on. So I feel bad for Wagner. Um, it does get a little bit annoying that, you know, some voters will, put them on the ballot one year and then say all right well he and then others will say all right well he's not a first ballot or second ballot he, he's a 10th ballot guy like we'll, we'll vote for him that year um, John Heyman posted an article I think and I saw and I kind of like rolled my eyes at it where he was like I'm so glad that my vote wasn't like the one that didn't get like wasn't the reason that he didn't get in and he kind of compared it. he was like well if you look at relief pitchers you know he doesn't have the the war compared to like starting pitchers kind of went with the argument saying you know relief pitchers are just starting pitchers that failed and i think if you look at it that way then no relief pitcher ever should make the hall of fame i guess um so i didn't agree with it i think you have to it's like what i brought up on the last slide you have to look at each position objectively you know you have to look at you know when you look at chase ellie's numbers compared to other guys that are in the hall of fame it doesn't look like he's a hall of famer but when you look at his career numbers against second basemen that are in the hall of fame then you're like all right there's a case to be made here like in terms of second baseman of his era there is a case that eventually he will make the hall of fame enough people will vote for him i think and joe mauer was just, definitely jeff, like
1: that jeff Kent argument as well jeff Kent should be yeah. in the hall of fame one of the best the most prolific home run hitting second baseman in the game's history should be in the hall of fame but uh sorry to derail you
2: no no that's yeah, all right we we because i want to clarify
1: that was Clint before Je- our friend of the kind that said that Jeff <laughs> Snyder
2: starts uh, blaspheming and slandering me saying, I'm the one that said Jeff Kent should be in the hall of fame. All I was saying was if you put chase Utley in, then there's a guy named Jeff Kent, who's going to say, excuse me, I, I have a good argument because I have better numbers than, than chase Utley. I'm not saying that Jeff Kent should be in the hall of fame. All I'm saying is that's the problem, right? Is once you put one guy who maybe is on the fence then you're making an argument for someone else. Canelo,
0: you're, the yeah. floor is yours, sir. Yeah. Um, Going with Joe Maurer, um, I posted about it. You know, growing up, that dude, like, I'm a little biased. I like Chase Utley. Chase Utley was my favorite position player growing up. And then in terms of catcher, Joe Maurer was the guy. I grew up playing baseball. I still play baseball, and I am primarily a catcher. He literally was the best hitting catcher. Um, He was one of the most highly touted prospects. You know, there was that whole thing where, Is he going to commit to football? Is he going to come to baseball? He chose baseball, goes to the Minnesota Twins, gets an MVP as a catcher. You know, unfortunately, the catching position is just a demanding position in sports. It's probably the most demanding position in all sports next to like a running back in the NFL, you know. And we saw as he got towards the end of his career, you know, he just couldn't do it anymore. They ended up moving him to first base because of injuries. And, you know, we've seen even, you know, The Giants, you know, Buster Posey retired early because of injuries, because of concussions. You know, it is a demanding position. But objectively, if you look at other catchers that are in the Hall of Fame, Joe Maurer is statistically one of the better catchers to ever play um, baseball. So I think it was great that he got in. You know, it was a huge discussion like about a couple months ago where they're like, well, is he going to be a first ballot? So I was pretty surprised to see that I, I believe he got like well over 80 percent of the ballot so um it seems like a lot of other these uh baseball writers association guys they they agree with me there um and then helton this is the this is where everyone's gonna start disagreeing with me right now i preached it last week i thought todd Helton is a hall of famer um roger was texting me back and forth saying well he played in cores and i said okay well that doesn't matter because if you look at his as a waste let's got the numbers In 4,612 road plate appearances, he had a slash line at 287, 386, 469 with 142 home runs. This dude was a lead away from Coors. Obviously, playing at Coors, his numbers did go up a little bit. But I think it's like what Clint kind of went on. You know, if you look at the Rockies' history and what he meant to that team with how elite of a hitter he was, um, the case was pretty much easy to be made. And, you know, he's been on the ballot for quite some time now. Um, so be beca- based off percentage points, you you we knew he was gonna get it eventually. And that's the same thing people have been talking about Chase Sutley recently as well, where you know, his first year on the ballot, he's at like around thir- I think he had like thirty percent or just under thirty. Um, so he'll probably get probably in the hall of fame probably a couple of years down the line, maybe a six year, something like that. But um it the Hall of Fame is just really confusing with the way voters vote. I think they really kind of do need to change the voting system. I think they need to give Different people the opportunity to vote because we've seen some years where some guys they don't put a single guy on the ballot and I know one next year's ballot's really interesting because you got one Ichiro on the ballot and I know you told me off air if he's not a hundred percent in uh, there's obviously something wrong here so that'll be something to keep I, I an will eye burn
2: on. shit down I will burn
0: shit down <laughs> if, if Ichiro doesn't
2: go in unanimous because I agree. I, I, I want to have the writer on who feels that that guy's not a hall of famer. I want them to justify that babyface. Your name was invoked and leave it to Canelo, right? We're talking about the hall of fame and he's got to bring it and make it all about chase Utley. The whole thing is about chase Utley, but your name was invoked. Defend your stance on Todd Helton.
4: I mean, what I was saying about Coors, you know, like Canelo said, I mean, Definitely, you know, it, it helps his case, right? But I think getting back to more what the problem where you guys are talking about is the voting. Like, going back to, like, Billy Wagner, right? I saw something that he missed by five votes, right? And there was, like, a couple people that just voted for, like, two people, didn't use all 10, right? And there was some people that had him on last year, and then they didn't put him on this year. So he, yeah. if he would have got those those five votes, he's in, right? So I think that's where the problem is. Like, if you're going to vote, I mean, you at, at least vote for everybody, right? Or, I mean... I think that's where the problem's is at. You can't just like, you know what, I'm not going to vote this year because there's, there's been guys that, you know what, screw it, I'm not voting this year. And they have a vote and they don't do it. So I think that's where the issue is at and I think that's what's got to be fixed.
0: Yeah, I thought it was actually interesting and I did shoot this text to you guys where they did an update on the ballot when about 209 of them were made public. And we talked about it pretty in depth with Gary Sheffield. He was like, at that time, he was like 0.5% of making that criteria. Obviously, when we saw all of them were put in, he was a little bit lower than that. And then I believe it was his last year on the ballot. So he just missed out too. So I was, when you were saying, you thought it was going to be four players to get in. I thought at one point it was going to be, if it wasn't Wagner, it was going to be Sheffield, which would have been awesome to see because, you know, we talked about him so in depth, but um it just sucks that he barely missed as well, along with Wagner.
4: I mean, the thing with Wagner, too, is I think he'll get in, right? He should he should get he'll in. He'll get year, in. Next right?
0: year,
4: probably, yeah. Like when we've said this before, Wagner gets in, that means Kenley Jansen is getting in. There I mean, we go. There he we now.
2: go. Kenley, Jansen, Kenley Jansen
4: will be a top four on the save list by the time he's done. I think he's yeah. getting in.
2: Uh, I I. I I want to get to Dennis Gonzalez's comment just because when when will Mike Sosha get his due with the Hall of Fame? Dennis, there is no bigger Mike Sosha fan than I, but Mike Sosha's is not getting into the Hall of Fame. I, I, To me, when you ask me what a catcher is, I, I would show you a picture, a picture of Mike Sosha. Unfortunately, his bat was just not there uh, for him to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Clint, do you agree? Disagree?
1: I, yeah, I agree that there's there should be a Hall of Very Good. And you know, the Dodgers kind of made their own makeshift Hall of Very Good with the, the legends of, of Dodger baseball where Mike Socha got uh inducted, but no, Sosha's not a Hall of Famer. Bulldog is is maybe close, but is not a Hall of Famer. Fernando, because of the story and what this man meant to baseball globally it's a it's a fucking shame he's not it's a farce that he's not in the hall of fame but you could also say the same thing with the number i mean pete rose not being in the hall of fame yeah okay whatever yeah he he bet on some team after bet on his team after his, his playing days but now you know that spurs a whole other uh opens another can of worms there but uh to the question no mike Sosha, not a hall of famer hall of, very good hall of important not not fame
2: Uh, And I do want to address uh, Roy Estrada's comment here about uh, Kimbrel, And that same list that you mentioned, uh, Canelo, Kimbrel was on that list. If you look at
0: Kimbrel career-wise, I know Dodger fans do not like him. I have put myself on that list. And, you know, Clint, I don't know if you know this, I live by Philadelphia. All my friends are Phillies fans. They got the Craig Kimbrell experience, especially this postseason. So they all have him if they see him in public, they're throwing a cheesesteak at him. That's all I know. So, but you look at his career wise, you know, postseason's different. He's on that, he's kind of on that Kershaw wave, you know, when he was on the Red Sox, they didn't even let him close out the world series. You know, they said, Hey, we're putting in Chris sale to close this bad boy out. Um, I mean, the Braves didn't look
4: let at, him face Uribe, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They didn't let him do anything. And, right. but if you look at his career in the right. regular season, he is one of the best, relief pitchers of all time, you know? And he was electric in his first couple years with the Braves. Um he was really good with the Padres for his short period of time. He was really good with the Red Sox. And, you know, he's been bouncing around team to team now where last year he was an all star. He was an all star for the Phillies. Um he will no doubt, in my mind, be a really good pickup for the Orioles as well. And it's like what Roger said, if these guys, him and Kenley Jansen, Kenley Jansen mentioned to David Basse that he wants to play until he's forty. If he can do that and still rack up the amount of saves that he's getting on a yearly basis, these guys are going to be stat padding their numbers to the point where I don't know if voters are going to look at it and say, all right, well, this guy just played for a very long time. You know, like that to- that's the one thing a lot of people give Tom Brady a lot of shit for is they're saying, All right, this dude played for like 20 years. Of course he's gonna be Peyton manning in certain stats. And then you you start getting into all these debates that that the the world of sports brings you. So I that's why I said I think it's very You have to look at it objectively and then it's always going to be a debate. You know, everybody's going to be talking about it. I do agree. Kenley Jansen will likely get put into the hall of fame by the end of his career. We'll see all his numbers set in stone. Wrote that in an article last year, you know, when we were saying after uh, Fernando's number was retired, we were like, all right, well, who's next? And I I put Kenley on there. And a lot of people were like, Kenley, like, is he going to get in the hall of fame? So um, I think that's going to be happening as well. And Kimbrel definitely has a really good case. All I'm saying is if
2: Jansen gets in, then Kimbrel is going to have he's going to be like Jeff. Kent. He's going to be the Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he's just going to be pointing at the TV going, what the hell? He got in and I didn't get in. I, and again, this points out my my issue with with the Hall of Fame voting. Um, guys, I, I we're going to wrap. Th- we're going to start to wrap things up. There is one last topic that I want to get into. And that is uh, Dodgers Fest is a little more than a week away. And they just announced the VIP experiences. And I don't know if you guys have seen the ticket prices or the prices for these experiences, but I know everyone is, I already saw it, but I know everyone's already, you know, saying, uh, blame, blaming Otani that they got to pay for Otani's contract. Correct me if I'm wrong, baby face, but come in here. All the money, all the proceeds from Dodgers Fest go to the Dodgers Foundation. So the Dodgers
4: aren't pocketing any of this money, right, Babyface? No, that's that's correct. It's all for the charity. So this is so they got rid of in previous years, right? They've had like those autograph sessions, right, where you see those big old long lines. To, and I don't think like last year was like sixty bucks, and you'd get like usually a player or two. So they've changed that up. They don't technically have that. So they have these where you know they have a, a lunch with Ethier and you know, they have a, they have some meet and greets where you get to go see a couple of players, but that one's two fifty now. So you can go and, you know, get the autograph, get a picture or whatever. But I think those are gonna be more limited now, maybe you know, maybe a hundred or so, hundred and fifty, two hundred, maybe tops on that. But, you know, some of the traditional stuff, the running the bases, you know, they do have a they do have a Fernando Valenzuela tour, which seems kinda interesting, but but, yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit different. But, yeah, all the money does go to charity. Um, but it is going to be, you know, like, different this season.
2: Clay, what is your overall impression of Dodgers Fest?
1: You know, <laughs> I, I, I liked Fan Fest. I think they nailed it last year their first year being able to do it out in the new centerfield plaza, people going into going onto the field. I don't know if their intent was to, you know, limit the fan, the amount of fans going to, uh, to Dodger stadium for this. I don't know why you would want to do that because it's just, it's free money for you either way. But um, I, I don't, I don't quite understand the, the decision-making behind just cranking up the prices for everything especially again it's not going to you know as as my old co-host doug mccain calls it the otani fat the otani tax the otani fund there this is not paying off shohei you're not paying off yoshinobu yamamoto this is going to charity and you know you make you might be able to get a little bit more if it's in the 10 to 15 bucks range a 60 dollar range it was before instead of 250 bucks to whatever it is watch andre ether eat or however that goes (laughs) Love Dre Day, but come on now. Uh, Canelo, um, I mean, we knew it was
2: coming, right? They they weren't going to miss the opportunity to try to make money. And I think they kind of, you know, dodge a bullet a little bit by saying, hey, it's for charity. But is this just a glimpse of what going to Dodger Stadium is going to be like this year when we go to the concession stand, when you try to go and buy anything at Dodger Stadium?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think they were just trying to, you know, shock you and blind you that way when you take out your wallet and you buy a beer or any type of merchandise, you just swipe your card and not and don't look, you know. Obviously, price raise, raises go everywhere. You know, it, the same thing even happens here in, in, by Philadelphia. I go to the Philly Stadium pretty much all the time. Price has been going up year after year, especially now that they're a perennial like, NL pennant contention per, like team um the dodgers are just going to crank that up another level um i was interested with the fan fest especially now that they you know it's usually pretty much free for every other team that does their own fan fest it was free last year um i thought that they were doing the price to do crowd control to get at least not as many people in especially with the amount of people that they sign you know when you get otani and yamamoto you're getting pretty much all those bridge angel fans that were only in it for the otani experience they're coming over to dodger blue baby and they would probably want every chance to follow him you know otani is like a band himself he has groupies they they follow him across the nation so um and there there was even talks about that with the news they were saying you know where if otani when he was choosing between the the blue jays and the dodgers they were like well where's he gonna go are you gonna follow him at the toronto and and these fans were like yeah, we're going to go to Toronto. We're going to go watch and play on a regular basis. So those are the fans that the Dodgers are anticipating coming in. So, you know, they got to, they got to do the, you know, the fire regulations, you know, they can't let too many people in the stadium. So I think that's what the prices were for in terms of like the experiences that they got there. It kind of does suck that they don't have the autographs that at a cheaper price for a lot of these fans. Um, just because that's something that's extremely, you know, like hard to get in person. Um, but I don't really have anything else to really compare it to because the Phillies don't do a fan fest, unfortunately. But um, I would say it's just to limit the amount of people that they want to come in because of how popular the team is right now.
4: So, so these are the meet and greets, the two fifty each. You can see three of them are sold out already. So, the two fifty obviously tell isn't me a the problem.
2: Alex Vesia, Ryan Yarbrough, and JP. That session number two is not sold out.
4: Not yet. You can still waiting. get your ticket.
2: Who's a fire icing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 going to be interesting. As, as some people have been pointing out here in the chat, there are reports that it's supposed to rain that day. So if oh, sure. it does rain, are you guys still going to show up? Is I mean, well, it'll,
4: it'll be canceled the, if it rains. It, did they say that? It says that on the website. Yeah. Wow.
2: So that, because it's just days, look guys, let's not, let's not forget here. We're just a little over two weeks away from spring training for pitchers and catchers reporting. Oh, and I, like I lied. I, I want to end on this on, on a couple of things because you guys had put it in the chat, the number of high profile, high profile free agents that are still available with a little more than two and uh, more than two weeks before spring training starts. And uh, l- let me start there before I go to the next thing, Clint. I-, I feel like we saw this last year. Is this just a new trend now where we're going to see teams just trying to wait out players to bring down the prices?
1: It sadly feels that way. This is the uh, this is you know people waiting out the Boris tax if we're going to bring up more taxes here because you know the Boris tax is one of those things you always have to to worry about. But I you know, I, I, I was listening. I think you guys were talking about it last week um the the 2000 or the the 2021 uh you know the the crazy free agency before baseball shut down that was really fun and you know yeah. lent, it, lent itself to what we see in basketball nfl and all that mainly basketball and i don't i don't watch uh baseball through and through but i think that would be a lot more fun than just kind of waiting around for you know weeks and weeks of MLB network talking about where is Cody Bellinger going to sign? Here are the options, you know, and then we just keep you know going on about the same damn thing. Nobody wants Blake Snell, but he's the most coveted free agent right now. Um, th- teams got to figure it out. They get money. The Dodgers are going to be paying these teams a lot of money over the next 20 years. If you really think about it uh, to, to field their own teams, spend some damn money, quit getting mad at at the Dodgers for spending money and go get some of these guys before, you know, two days before spring training, and they don't even know where the hell they're going to go. You know, the players themselves, their families, they don't know if they're going to Florida. They don't know if they're going to Arizona. Um, little things like that, you know, getting the house settled before a season. It, it's getting a little, uh, well, we we'll say a little chicken shit when it comes to how long they're drawing this out.
2: Canelo, is it... Uh... I don't know if this is fair to say this, but could could Boris be the biggest loser in this offseason, especially with what Otani and Yamamoto's agents were able to pull off? Are, are people going to start looking at Boris differently and being like, hey, man, was this the best deal for me or is this the best deal for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's no secret that we're not I'm not a fan of Boris. You know, obviously, if you're a player, he's a player's agent. And he's looking to get these deals. Um, that's pretty much who's holding up the market. It, it is Scott Boris. A lot of these big free agents, their free, their agent is Scott Boris. He is looking to get the prices that he wants uh, for his players. And obviously, the big one is Cody Bellinger in the position market, and then it's Blake Snell in the pitching market. Um, once those guys sign, you know, there's really only a handful of teams that can be involved in those guys, but. They set the market and the prices for the positions that they play, and then the rest of it trickles down. The thing I love about baseball, you know, this is probably why Clint and I, you know, we're baseball through and through, like he said, is that a lot of these baseball players, their mentality, they are not going to sit out the season. They are not going to drag this out. Baseball players are, and like just from playing myself, you know, they are very like time management and they are on a routine straight, like right now. They want to know where they're going to be playing. So you're going to see a lot of these players just, I guess, take the L and just either sign for below what they were expecting, go the Teoscar Hernandez route, maybe go for a one year deal and then just say, all right, well next year I'll try it again. I really just want to get to a team and start playing. Maybe we can talk extensions down the line. Um, But yeah, I definitely think it is Boris just holding up the market and, I don't fault teams for not wanting to go all in on Cody Bellinger. You know, I love Cody Bellinger, but he like if you look at him in his peaks, he could be worth two hundred million. But if you look at him all over the course of his career, I think it's a pretty big gamble to give him two hundred billion. Blake Snell is literally the pitching, the pitcher equivalent of a Cody Bellinger, where he has two Cy Young awards, but he has been on a roller coaster ride his entire like career, and a lot of teams don't want to give somebody with that high of a walk rate because they don't anticipate him at least doing anywhere close to what he did last year. Um, But Boris isn't really going to budge in the price that he's asking for. Um, The guys that I really feel bad for are just the smaller guys that are usually the fringe types that get the one or two year deal regardless. They're just sitting there waiting for these bigger guys to go, which, you know, that's why there is a rift between, I would say, the players, the owners, and then even the the role players and then the big-time players because when the MLB lockout was going on, a lot of the guys that voted to keep the lockout going on the player side were these guys that were getting paid like 30 or $40 billion a year. Like, one of them was Max Scherzer, who I infamously dislike because of that. Not only what he did with the Dodgers when he was here to end his career here, um, but also everything that went on during that lockout year. You know, it kind of really made me not want the players to win that that side of their deal so um it is boring for me right now because you know we mentioned it before in terms of baseball offseason you know compared to the others a lot of these other guys sign in like the nba and the nfl first so all the offseason you're like yeah i can't wait to see these guys play here 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 but where in baseball we're like i just can't wait till these guys sign like once they sign then we can start getting it going
2: uh, Justin, the reason why I bring up it, will Boris lose, I mean, he's still going to get his money. But if Snell doesn't get the 270 that he wants or Bellinger doesn't get the 200 million, doesn't that mean that Boris lost? Or is that the wrong way of looking at it,
1: Clint? I mean, he has a uh, he had a stable of very flawed superstars for sure he he had a massive win a couple of years ago with uh your boy um wait he wasn't an arson judge guy but anyways, they had a massive win in the in the uh the 2022 uh 2022 2023 off season and this year, yeah, he had some guys, but he just didn't have the top shelf booze at the bar. he had that really good Kirkland booze or whatever <laughs> and uh by perception Scott Boris is never going to lose. Or in his heart, he's never going to lose. But by perception, I think this is absolutely a big fat L of a postseason or of an off season. But then again, we still got you know two weeks for regular teams before uh, before you know spring training starts, or three weeks or whatever it is. So there's time. But going this deep, it's definitely not a win. Uh, Canelo, I want to end
2: the show with this. You saw something about Sasaki that you think is a developing story and i know everybody is waiting for sasaki to come to the dodgers uh can you give us that update real quick
0: yeah i mean obviously it's not it's it's something to get a little excited about you know i retweeted about it where you know he's not no longer a part of the players association for the npb um it's kind of surprising over there it seems like he really does want to come to the united states not specifically the dodgers obviously he's going to be rumored to come here Um, And the Dodgers have shown extremely high interest in acquiring him um, whenever he is officially posted. Um, But yeah, it is definitely something that you could keep an eye on. Um, Obviously, nothing's going to happen this winter. Um, It's going to be all eyes um, throughout this season. And then once the fall hits and then we know he's going to be posted, which I would say at this point, all signs are indicating that he will. He'll take the Otani approach. He will sign that minor league deal. Um, And the Dodgers or whoever gets him will get him for, you know, under league minimum salary for those first three years. And then he goes to the arbitration process. So uh, pretty much a bargain for any team that gets a pitcher of his caliber. So um, it's definitely interesting to watch, Just I guess, to see him showing some frustration um, with him wanting to come to the MLB.
2: Okay, guys, that's going to do it. I want to thank everybody for joining us on the live. Uh, and I know there was there's a couple of reminders before we sign off. If, for those of you, I know a lot of you were saying this in the chat, and I want to thank you. If you are newcomers, this is the first time you've come across us. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and, uh, and follow us on the socials. I uh, also want to take this time to remind everybody, that the uh, Sports Podcast Awards nominated us for Best Baseball Podcast. And the last day to vote is this Sunday, January 28th. So we have the links up on our social media. Uh, Please uh, go ahead and vote for us. If you've already voted for us, we want to thank you very much. If you haven't, you still have time to vote. This Sunday is the last day to vote. Tell your friends, tell your family. I know Jose Ayala is getting like his goal is to try to get 50 votes just from his family. We really appreciate that, Jose. Um, we want to thank our, our special guest, Clint. Uh Clint has his new show, All Dodgers. And it seems like your Clint Nation. I kept seeing Clint Nation in, in, in the in the chats. Your people follow you, Clint. Uh appreciate those people. They're I, really I, good people I, out here on this I space, mean, man. Like, seriously, before we sign off, Clint. How aware were you of how you had a following and that these people stayed loyal to you and they follow you where you
1: go? I'll be honest at at where I was towards the end of my time there. I didn't I didn't really know. I didn't. It was all, you know, it was all punch in, punch out, almost feeling and you kind of lose a lose the love, lose the spark that, you know, you just feel like you're going through some of the motions even though I always gave my heart and soul to the show but uh you know it 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 um it was uh, I guess it's heartwarming I've said heart a lot on the show but <laughs> it was definitely heartwarming to to get the outpouring of support even though the people haven't uh, found me yet and subscribed you know still some of the DMs the, the people on social the texts and all that kind of stuff from uh, great people I've I've met along the way in the industry it, it's really cool uh, the, and this youtube space is a really really good space and and i'm i'm happy any people happen to know me bounced over here because i've I, like i told you guys in the chat i've i've um i've watched what you guys have done over the years and i appreciate the 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 hump the hustle the consistency you guys uh you guys do it right and um i'm i'm happy to you know keep keep doing this together man i think it's gonna be all fun and we'll bring more of uh, clint nation over this way Obviously, I, I, I want to end on this. Louis Z. Clint talks in his
2: real voice and tells it like it is. I'm not going to take that as a dig to somebody, but I'll take it as more as a compliment uh, to, to you, Clint, uh,
1: and, and City Boy if, Chad. Clint bang or about, don't bang? If we're talking about the person I think we're referencing, that is 100% him, and I love him for it. <laughs> From the second my guy wakes up to the minute he finds time to sleep, that is 100%. My guy. <laughs> so there you have it. So once again, guys,
2: uh, please make sure you're subscribe subscribe to Clint's channel. If this is the first time you're seeing Clint on our show and you don't know, he's got his channel. Subscribe to it. So you want to see Su servidor Juan Ramirez, de parte de mis colegas Canelo and Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Los Podcast has been brought to you by BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Nos vemos.